The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a father of twin boys, and I am a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I am also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I am a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three college teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
It has been a couple of weeks. It's been a bit since we've all been back together here. The Paralympics have been going on. The Vuelta a España has been going on. We, of course, have been doing all of our own training and dealing with our own lives and that sort of thing. What y'all been up to? Michelle, what you been up to? I have to follow what you've been up to, George. <laughs> Why don't you so. tell us what the last three weeks for you has been like? Yeah, I think we well, should start with George. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, I am glad to be with all of you once again because uh, – the last couple of weeks for me have not been fantastic, really. So I, uh, I declared I qualified to run for my local school board, which is super exciting. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's good news. Uh, on Monday, August 16th, we had qualifying here in uh, my town of Marietta. And I'm a graduate of the local schools, Marietta City Schools. And I said, well, um, I want to do something that matters, something important. I want to give back inside my local community. I've been a teacher for 25 years. I'm a professor of education. Why don't I try and run for school board? Um, and so I qualified for that on Monday the 16th. As soon as I had my name on the ballot, I got sick. <laughs> and, and I wanted to go out and start knocking on doors. And I wanted to go out and start talking to people about the vision for the school system and that sort of thing. And instead, I was relegated to my house, sending emails and, and not able to actually go out and do any sort of campaigning. And I spent the next little while being sick. And much to Michelle's dismay, and I think this is the reason why she wanted me to go first, um, because my sons aren't vaccinated against COVID-19, they probably weren't going to be let into Germany um, when I went there for Berlin. And given the fact that I was unable to run for about 11 days um, because I was sick, um, I was probably just going to end up flying over there by myself and kind of going through the motions in the race. And so I ended up taking the option to defer the Berlin Marathon to 2022, and I am now looking for a replacement marathon. So all the time that we've spent here on this podcast talking about the Berlin Marathon that I was supposed to have run in 2020. <laughs> um, uh, now we are going to have to continue kicking this can down the road. And I am looking forward to September of 2022 uh, running the, the Berlin Marathon. So my quest for the, uh, the World Marathon Majors six-star medal continues. continues. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's significant for you, Michelle, because you're training for Boston and you're doing well and you're fit and you're healthy and your biggest fear is getting sick. Like George got sick. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, my daughter went back to school, community Jewish day school, and basically was there for a week. And by Monday of the second week, she had five girls test positive in her class. So that sent us right back to what they call home learning program, which basically meant, I think my body just reverted to the panic of like March, 2020, when I was what, six or seven weeks out from Boston. And yeah. I think I woke up at like 1.15 the first morning, worked for three hours, went to the track, did five by mile repeats, did home learning all day. And then by six o'clock was basically crawling in bed and begging for somebody to just put me out of my misery. <laughs> and I, totally unleashed just like a fury of panic on everybody who I was going to come near that I wanted to put on a mask and I wanted my kids to wear a mask and I'm not going to get sick like George and I'm not going to lose my whole fall racing season and all of my plans. So George getting sick sent me kind of spiraling. <laughs> but honestly, it just made me feel I'm like sorry, Michelle, I'm, actually, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm actually not okay from last year. And I think at least what I've seen in my neighborhood and my community with a lot of the other working moms who thought that, you know, their kids were going back to school and then we were thrown right back into trying to mm -hmm. navigate 
full-time jobs and little kids learning from home. So kudos to everybody who's uh, trying to keep their kids in school, but this Delta variant is making it pretty difficult and yeah. just trying to find the balance because I can't seem to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but everyone's back in school this week and I did not wake up at 1.15 the morning of my track workout this week. So that was really good. Progress. Yeah. Very good. And you are still super fit, Michelle. So, so. Yeah. It uh, seems like the training's getting a little serious. Like Brandon had some, you know, I thought that was a good way to put it, what he posted on Strava. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very we good. do have to find a way, George, to get you to not tell us that 20 by 400 is like a 60 minute workout. Okay. <laughs> when it takes us like a long time. <laughs> I know. I know. I tend to put 60 minutes on workouts, regardless of whether they're going to be a minute, an hour and 20 minutes or even 45 <laughs> minutes or anything else like that. You know, I, I, I 12 just miles think, later, <laughs> no, 12 miles later. Oh yeah. You just knocked that out in 60 minutes. Right? Yeah. No, no. Sorry about no. that. You're totally right. You're totally right about that. It's cool. We know. We knew it <laughs> going in. So, so very good. But, very good. Eric, what you been up to, man? Uh, my, my time seems to be pretty boring compared to yours. <laughs> I've just been running and preparing for a blue Ridge relay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that makes one of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've run plenty or not plenty. I've run some this week. I, 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 some. Yeah. So I, I had, I had a total of, I, so I had a, I, the last time I ran was Tuesday morning. I got sick on Tuesday night basically. And then, so I had a full week completely off. I ran the, or I, I rode my bike the following Wednesday and ran for the first time the following Saturday. Um, and so, so I, I'm, I'm leaning on the fact that I was pretty fit prior to, uh, to, to having to take all that time off and of course getting sick, that sort of thing. Being sick, if nothing else, I lost a few pounds. So that's good. Um, <laughs> you also um, didn't have any respiratory symptoms. Which so I didn't have any respiratory come symptoms. Back, hopefully. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'm feeling a lot better now. Even this week, I was still kind of tired. Um, but, but I'm feeling a lot better now. And, and I had been nervous about the, uh, the blue Ridge relay, but got my shoe rotation all set to go. Uh, I felt like I had a little touch of plantar fasciitis that was being aggravated by the endorphin speeds and that's not being aggravated anymore. So, so, so yeah, no, Eric, Eric's been training enough for both of us and, and, and <laughs> I have just, uh, lowered my expectations a little bit and we're going to go in there and see what we can do. But, but Eric, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, man. Oh, no, that's all right. Like I said, all I've been doing is pretty much preparing for the Blue Ridge Relay. I'm, I'm officially in my taper. Um, and, and because we, we've talked about this, this is not just the Blue Ridge Relay for me. A week after the Blue Ridge Relay, right. I'll be running the Doggettville 12 hour. So awesome. uh, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of an extended taper into this, um, just kind of in, in, in today, just enjoying the weather. I don't know what it is like down there, but I'm assuming you guys have similar weather to this. Uh, it's the first time I've run in probably over a month where the the temperature started with an eight. Um, okay. You know, we've been dealing with uh, mid to high 90s and feels likes in the 100, <clears throat> losing, you know, 10 pounds on a run. And that's not a joke. <laughs> that's, that's reality. To today, you know, it was like 83 degrees. Um, and I, I really, that was really nice. It felt good. So as George said, you know, um, figuring out shoe rotation, looking at the, the legs a little more closely and figuring out, you know, paces for each leg. Um, spent a little time last night doing that and uh, talking to some of the other guys on the team. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be it's fun. It's always fun. It is always hey, fun. 
So serious question. Everyone in the van is engineers besides George. So you guys are calculating paces and time and arrivals into, you know, and van configurations, switch. right. Van configurations. So what are you guys adding to what you thought George would run? Like, I'm <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not trying to diss on you. I'm, I'm serious. Like what is the, we actually, so we don't, we don't look at the other runners and say, this is what you're going to run. Right. But uh, what is your expectation what, for his, for his we don't, No, See, that's it. We don't set expectations for one another. We let each individual runner set their own expectations and then it fall, you know, it kind of falls out the way it does. So, so, and, George, have you so, so, so I was going to say, in other words, Michelle, what Eric's saying is you need to ask me, not Eric. Right. Okay. So yeah. I'm redirecting, but I know my experience of meeting that van last year, you guys had it down to, we're going to be at that parking lot at six, 18 and 30 seconds or something. <laughs> so, so what George have you, what did you say before you thought you'd run versus what you think is reasonable um, or realistic? I, I, I think that, I think I'm adding about 30 to 40 seconds per month. Per mile. Yeah. Seems, yeah. Um, so about 30, and, and, and that's the difference between between running kind of briskly and, and hard at times and, and holding back and holding back and holding back and holding back. Yeah. So do you I feel like that takes a little bit of the pressure off if you set that um, expectation? I would rather have the pressure, man. Uh, I, I, I would rather have not gotten sick and still be fit and, 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 sure. and still running hard. Um, and so, so it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, but, but I'm still going to take my fast shoes. Um, and, and, I'm, I'm mostly, my biggest challenge and my biggest priority is to hold back over the first several legs um, because Eric and I both are going to be running seven to eight legs, seven to eight times. Um, and so yeah, holding back for like the first four or five legs um, because there's a real sting in the tail too. My last two legs, the way that we've mapped it out currently are pretty tough. Um, and so, so really kind of keeping it under control and, 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 and staying conservative um, in those early legs is going to be critical for me. Um, last year, I hydrated really well throughout. Um, and so I feel like I have a really good hydration plan built around chocolate milk and Slayer X and Diet Coke. Um, and so if I, can, if I can pull that off again, I, I feel pretty good about that aspect of it. Um, and so it's just going to be really critical for me not to get so excited in those first couple of legs and be like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I wasn't yeah. actually sick. Um, and to actually hold back. Got it. So, so there's, there's two things to realize about what George just said. Uh, the first thing, and I'm going to start with the kind of funny thing and then go into the serious thing. The, the kind of funny thing is even when George adds 30 seconds to his uh, per mile pace, he's still faster than any one of us. <laughs> right. Well, the point is, is that George needs to be able to still be running like six, seven, eight. <laughs> um, so, so we never, we never question the other runners in their pace. I, I think the second thing is, and George, I'm saying this to, and I, I think you know this, but maybe you, you, in the back of your mind, you're, you're a little concerned about this. Um, you've got, if you, if you take into account the, the riding you've done and the running you've done, you have the equivalent of over, over a thousand miles on your legs this year. Mm -hmm. And I dare say that two or three weeks of not running is not affecting your fitness. It may affect how you feel the next time you go for a run. It may affect um, your max VO2 by a point or, or two. But I think if anything, it probably rested you a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that might have actually been important for you because you put in three weeks of I don't know, 40 plus miles on your on your legs running. Yeah, I was doing great. <laughs> when was the last time? Well, but the thing is, when was the last time you've done that? 
No, I don't know the last time I did that. Well, I, the last time I did that was 2016. Right. Um, no, and, and, and I was cycling less then. And so, so no, I was, I was leading up to getting sick and this has nothing to do with my getting sick. Um, but leading up to getting sick, I, I was training the best I had trained since 2014. Yeah. Um, and I, so I that's, I don't think you lost so. all that fitness. You, yeah. you didn't lose all that fitness. So I don't want to, I mean, 30 seconds per mile, that's significant. Now, if you want to, now back to like race strategy for the Blue Ridge Relay, I'm actually coming out conservatively like that in the first two or three legs for sure. Because the both of us have a pretty hard back half of the, regardless of what happens. And, we we, and, hard, and we've both blown the back half in the past. Yes. So, yeah. so we know how awful that is. Yeah. And, and regardless, I think in all of the lineups, we're running 40 to 50 miles. So, so there's no reason to go hard on the first, you know, two or three legs. So I'm, I'm doing the same thing, but I have a feeling that you're going to feel a little more comfortable once you get out there and, you know, you, you get your legs back under you and you get a couple legs under you. And, and I, I just feel that for sure. And, and the reason why I say this, and I appreciate and you saying that, Eric, I do. Well, I, I think it's reality. And I, I think that Michelle, since, since you asked earlier, you know, um, about the run, um, I could transition right into that from here because I had a really, really good run with Grace. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Grace is my daughter. Uh, she's in her freshman year at Duke University. Friend of the podcast. She's been a guest on here before after she finished a 100-mile yep. race. She's, a, she's an ultra marathoner, and she is preparing for that Doggettville 12-hour race that we're going to run um, the week after I run the Blue Ridge Relay. And she's you know freshman in college. Like, it's tough. Those first three, four, maybe even five weeks are pretty rough, like figuring out where everything is and figuring out like kind of a new routine and going through all these changes. And she uh, called me and said, Hey, can you come out and do a long run with me on Saturday? And I've told everybody, if, if Grace says, can you run with me? I say, yes. So, so I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll go run. We'll go run 10 miles. And we, we ran 10 miles on the uh, tobacco trail. It's a, it's a converted uh, railroad um, one of those converted railroads, like the Comet Trail in Atlanta. And, you know, it's asphalt, the part that we ran on, it's in Durham. So we just drove out there and we literally started at the beginning of it, which we've never done before. And we just ran out five miles and we turned around and came back. And it was pretty, you know, it was 96 degrees. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty rough, but it was fun because she just talked the whole time. She told me about, you know, her classes, she told me about her, her roommate and their room. And just, we just kind of talked about all that stuff and I could really feel that she relaxed. Um, and it was fun. It was fun. I think it was fun for both of us. It was something that was familiar to her. It was, we hadn't run together in probably three weeks to that point. Um, it was cool to hear about things that were going on. Uh, it was cool to talk about Doggettville with her a little bit and all that stuff. But one thing that she said to me, and this is kind of where it generated into what I just said to you, George, is she said, dad, I'm really concerned about Blue Ridge. Like my running has kind of fallen off and all this stuff. And I called upon something that George has said to me in the past. And he, and he, when we were leading up to Blue Ridge, he said, um, it's time to ease off, but don't go and like fill all that time with like heavy housework or, you know, yard work and all that. Cause your body doesn't know the difference between one type of stress and another. Right. 
So I told Grace, I said, it's not like you haven't been stressing yourself. You know, you have been in this like horribly mentally stressful state, you know, with this transition. And I said, and think about the fact that if you look on Strava, you'll notice this. She has over 1200 miles this year. She's got over 1200 miles. And, and I said, you have 1200 miles on your legs for this year, whether, you know, you, you had a hard last three weeks or not. I was like, and those 1200 miles didn't go anywhere. All that time you've been, you've been training, um, you've been leading up to this 12 hour race and the last three weeks, that's not going to change that. <clears throat> so I kind of have the same message for both of you and anybody who goes through a period like that, like that doesn't, that doesn't kill your fitness. It might make it feel a little weird if it's been three weeks and you go out and you get it for that first run. But I guarantee at the end of that first run, you're going to feel better than you thought you would. And then the next run, you're going to be kind of right back in it. Uh, I'm not saying you can go run Boston after not running for three weeks and have the same. I was just going to say that. This does not apply. Yeah, this 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 doesn't apply to your best day, you know, whatnot. But I think it applies. I do think it applies more to ultra running and these longer distances than it does to say the shorter, faster distances. Yeah, sure. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I actually looked on Strava while you were talking. I have 933 miles of running, solely of running this year. Um, and so that doesn't include the, uh, the, the thousands of miles of cycling as well. So if I were to look over at cycling real quick, um, I have a uh, I have 3,300 miles of cycling this year. Um, and so, so yeah, I got plenty of, so, so I got, I got plenty of miles, uh, uh, on my legs this year for sure. I think what, what can mess with you is that, and, and every runner has experienced this is that you take some time off or you miss some time because you're sick or something else like that. And then you go out for a run and it can be like a simple, easy run and, in a bizarre way, it's almost as if your body has forgotten what it is to run and, and you'll be <laughs> sore the next day. It's so yeah, obnoxious. Right. Um, yes. And so, so I, I, you know, missed running for, for 11 days. I did a little bit of easy cycling and then I finally go out and, and do, do a run and, I'm, and, and my legs are sore the next day. And so in that event, it's very difficult to say, oh, well, I haven't actually lost a ton of fitness, but, but, but your body can so easily forget just the, the, the routine and the regularity of running. And, and, and that can fool you into thinking that, that you're suddenly unfit when you're not. Um, I agree. I agree so, completely. Yeah. I think this even, this even fits into, you know, what I tell people about injuries. I say, if your injury isn't so bad that you're going to injure yourself more by doing some sort of activity or movement, you need to continue doing activity and movement because your body gets used to a normal buildup and breakdown cycle. When you break that buildup and breakdown cycle, when you get started again, the, 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 the recovery is, is not the same and yeah. your body has to relearn how to get back into that buildup breakdown cycle or for breakdown sure. buildup cycle. For so. sure. So for, yeah. so for me this week, and actually, if nothing else, this is something I feel like I've learned this week is that, that I haven't felt like I needed to go out and build a lot of fitness this week. Right. Um, the fitness is built. The hay is in the barn, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, but, but I have needed to get my body back in the routine of, okay, this is something we do. This is something, this is how this body is used. Um, I, I needed to get it back into the process of breaking down and building back up, breaking down and building back up just so my body could remember what that process felt like. And that doesn't require me to go out and do 10, 12 mile runs on a regular basis, even though I was doing that before it just requires me, requires me to do a little bit of work. 
Um, and what's the very worst thing you could do, Coach George? So the very worst thing I could do would, would be to try to try to make up for all the missed time uh, <laughs> here at the last minute and go out and do a bunch of like 20 mile runs all right in a row. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and everybody's made that mistake and, uh, yeah. and people will continue to make that mistake. But that's 100 sure. percent. The, yeah, the, sure. the miles lost or not lost. They just weren't run. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. just move on. Um, and then the other thing, of course, that's going to, to, to carry both of us through at the, uh, the Blue Ridge Relay is our shoe rotation. Um, our so. shoe rotation is <laughs> follows. We I are, ordered, we are currently supporting Running Warehouse. Yesterday, and so, so the shoe rotation is continuing to grow. <laughs> How many pairs of shoes do you think the three of us have ordered in the last month? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. How many pairs of shoes? Like, like our three-person, the podcast shoe rotation. I think is, we're supporting is, Running Warehouse. Is right around 20 pairs of shoes. At least. Yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. the three of us on that. And, and we bring Patrick in it would probably add like, you know, two more pair, but, but, but just the three of us, we're rotating through the three of us, probably through 20 pairs of shoes. That's a little bit. I, we definitely need more also. <laughs> and, and there's other, and there's even shoes we still want to buy. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but Michelle, you return the shoes after you buy them. Okay. Well, you don't need eight pair of trail runners at once. <laughs> you just have to figure out the pair that you're going to keep. <laughs> um, <laughs> very good, very some, good. some have not arrived yet but right. this is you know this is big deal stuff here so all right so quick side note eric how is how is grace friend of the podcast doing in her freshman year at duke so how far away is duke from from your house from where you actually live so duke is as far from my house as basically georgia tech would be from your house so like 25 so, to 30 minutes. Yeah, it's like 25 to 30 minutes. So we, you know, it's kind of a hot skip and a jump. We can, we can go up there. But uh, I think she's doing well. I, we knew it was gonna be a tough transition. Uh, sure. I think one of the, one of the things that Grace struggles with is change mm -hmm. and, and things not being settled. And you know how those first two weeks of actual class go yeah. and, I think, I don't know what the percentage is, but if you take every quarter I was at Georgia Tech, I probably changed two or three classes from the beginning of the first week to the end of the second week during that drop ad period. And I got used to it. But that kind of churn for Grace is stressful. So, you know, coached her through that some. I think she's really got a solid schedule now and it's kind of settled for her and she's starting to feel comfortable with it. But um, given everything, I think she's done a great job. Is she still yeah, taking that history of torture class? No. <laughs> <laughs> she dropped it? I, I think I, I think they told her she wasn't actually allowed to take it because it was a senior seminar and they 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 they, they said she had to take something else. Oh, so, wow. so I, I I thought as far as if you're an ultra marathoner who's done a hundred mile race, you pretty much have the history you need to be in the history yeah. of torture. <laughs> So, so she, so she can't take the class as a student, but maybe she can come be a, a guest lecturer one day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. We got a few different things we want to talk about tonight here. Michelle, what are we going to talk about first? Um, I mean, we can talk, we about, can Shelby talk about the hottest topic of the last 24 hours. Yeah. So, so. All right, let's talk about Shelby Houlihan. Shelby Houlihan, now we haven't actually talked about Shelby Houlihan on the podcast before. We made a very um, conscientious decision not to talk about right. it when the announcement first came out about right. the um, 
adverse test finding and her suspension and she would not be competing at the trials or the Olympics most likely. Well, so given and, that, so given that, let's actually go back and, and tell us, Michelle, just tell us who Shelby Houlihan is and what happened to her just before the Olympic trials. Okay. So Shelby Houlihan is a runner for the Bowerman Track Club. She is the American record holder um, in, you know, several events, indoor, outdoor. She runs the 1500 to the 5k. Um, she was going to likely debut a 10k attempt this year. And we saw her race kind of through COVID. Uh, some of those amazing times were set in some of those track races that, you know, sound running and trials of miles put on in 2020 when none of the big races were really happening. And she kind of disappeared um, as everybody transitioned into the outdoor season to get ready, obviously, for the track trials and for Tokyo. Um, and several days, it wasn't even several days, actually, um, a few days before the trials were set to take place, Bowerman Track Club called a press conference. All of the uh, you know, information about the press conference was it's not good, it's not good, it's not good. And at the press conference, it was basically announced that um, Shelby failed a doping test for lack of more uh, scientific terms in December. She was notified in January and they basically had spent uh, the greater part of five months trying to appeal a suspension that she was given and they were losing and she was not going to compete at the track trials and she would not compete in Tokyo. Right. And we were told that she had been served a four-year ban. So at the time, we were pretty diligent with releasing a podcast every week. And it was so unbelievable, <laughs> the amount of information coming from all sources. And the sources that we all trusted and looked to, you know, were, were super divided. Of course, she doped. There's no chance she doped. And we just felt like we're not even going to bring it to the podcast. People can find it anywhere else that they want to until we get more information. Right. So what happened yesterday, George? <laughs> so, so, so when, when the first word that we got of it, so prior to the Olympic trials, the very first notion that anybody had, the first inkling that anybody had that she had ever tested positive actually came from Shelby Houlihan and the Bowerman Track Club themselves. That's right. Um, and, and it was at their press conference and her coach, Jerry Schumacher, and her coach, Shalane Flanagan, ardently defended her and said there was no way this could possibly happen. Sally Jenkins, um, writer for the Washington Post, basically made her the focal point of a Washington Post article in which she said that the whole anti-dopey system is broken and Shelby Houlihan is an example of how it's broken um, because Shelby Houlihan clearly didn't do it, but yet she's getting a, a four-year ban for Nandrolone. And that's not only going to affect her here in, in 2021 for the Olympics, but also for 2024 for the Olympics as well. Um, and, and ever since then, every time we've gotten a little bit more information from various doping authorities, it's been, oh, wait, it doesn't look so good. Okay, it looks worse. Okay, it looks worse. And so the best that it looked for Shelby Houlihan was literally on the first day when it was only her side that had been put out there and she had said it. And so today, um, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Yesterday. Um, so yesterday, the Court <laughs> of Arbitration for Sport um, put out their report on uh, the series of hearings that they had and, and the investigation they made into the adverse analytical finding uh, in her blood um, and, and made it perfectly clear that there's absolutely no way that what she said had happened had happened. 
Yeah, um, and let's just be clear, the 44 page document that was released yesterday, this is already the process that they had gone through to reach the decision that we all found out about in June that I would say the majority of people like George said on day one immediately thought this can't be possible. But now we have all of the information that went into them rendering that decision for her and not allowing her to compete and upholding the four year ban um, that we heard about in June. It's just we didn't have the actual supporting documentation from the Court of Arbitration of Sports. And now we do. All right. So, so <laughs> given that, take us through it, Michelle. So so Shelby Houlihan on that very first day, along with Jerry Schumacher and Shalane Flanagan and her coaches said, I ate a pork burrito from a taco truck in Oregon. Um, and in that pork burrito was uh, some meat that had this steroid in it, this prohibited substance in it. And by ingesting that pork from that burrito, I then took a test the very next day, um, took a urine test the very next day. And that's the reason why it showed up because the, the uh, illicit substance was in the pork that was in this burrito that I ate. And, and that's the reason why it showed up in my urine in the amount that it did the following day. It's not because I took a banned substance. It's because some farmer somewhere along the way gave a banned substance to a pig that I then ate and that that created an adverse analytical finding. That's what she said. Can, can I add one layer to that? Sure. Mm -hmm. She didn't order a pork burrito. Okay, well, let, let's, let's I was gonna say, <laughs> now, 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 and, now let's and, start picking apart what her story was. So, so that's well, what her story was. Let's, and, uh, let's let's start pulling it apart. Yeah, her, her receipt said it was a steak burrito. She yeah. admitted she ordered a steak burrito, but she said, but it was greasy. So, so the very first thing, as Eric pointed out, the very first chink in the armor of that story was that she produced a receipt that she had for that meal from the taco truck. And it wasn't for a pork burrito. It was for a steak burrito. And so the very first leap of faith you have to make for Shelby Houlihan, for you to believe her, is that she was ordering a steak burrito, but was served a pork burrito, and she went ahead and ate it anyway. Yeah, that, so that, 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 that's, the first, that's the first leap of faith you have to make. But just to be clear, it's a leap of faith. It's also the entire, it's the entirety of what the defense what Shelby's attorneys basically correct. presented in the court of arbitration of sports. The entire argument rests on the premise that even though she ordered steak, she was actually given pork. Um, but should we read the science, George? I was going to we... say, but not just any pork. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might be worth it. Let's just take a few minutes and, and read yeah, through yeah, go ahead. a few bullet points here. Um, okay. So, According to what the Court of Arbitration of Sports uh, published yesterday, um, because the pork basically would have not been normal pork, but per the Houlihan defense, it was uncastrated boar. And then the science goes on to talk about the fact that except uncastrated boar gets into the U.S. food chain through completely different channels than pork. So for uncastrated boar to end up in the normal pork food chain, the boar must have been a specimen with undescended testicles. This is called cryptochid. At this point, this is already verging on basically bizarre, if not crazy stupid, but there's more. Um, the uncastrated boar basically is of a small minority that in addition must have had this elevated androgen levels. And that would basically be abnormal for six month old pigs. 
And then they went further to say the pork product Houlihan allegedly ate despite ordering steak is actually pork stomach. So follow along here because this gets into butcher level stuff. But when people eat pork stomach, that stomach is stripped of the inner later layer. So only the outer muscle remains. Houlihan's assertion was that uncastrated boars have elevated androgen levels, except those are not found in the muscle. Those levels are found only in specific parts, the kidneys, testes, or liver. Pork stomach, the panel said, has one of the lowest androgen levels. So the nandrolone metabolic levels in Houlihan's urine were two to three times higher than the highest values in the literature after eating a much more significant quantity of mature uncastrated boar, which is basically a product different from the alleged you know, pork in question, which would basically have been slaughtered at six months. The witnesses came in and they basically said that the carbon isotope signature of the metabolite in her urine was, quote, fundamentally inconsistent with the largely corn-based diet of commercial pigs in the United States. They had an expert witness that said the chance of a cryptochid ending up in the normal supply chain in the United States is far less than one in 10,000. And then they basically went on to talk about the fact that the Tyson, like the plant where the food truck in Beaverton, Oregon, where she supposedly bought the pork from, doesn't operate a boar kill plant. It's literally near zero chance that any boar meat would get mixed with con conventional fresh pork products. So the chances are like, it's almost impossible that even if Shelby actually ordered steak and it was actually mistakenly given her pork, whatever pork that this truck would have served that she might've consumed, there's no chance that it could have caused her test levels to return the adverse result that they did. And definitely not at the level that they found in her urine. Right. So, so, so that was I, a lot. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was actually counting up the various leaps of faith that you would have to make as we went along the way. 10. Right? <laughs> like and so, so, there? so in addition to the one that Eric just already mentioned that, that she was, she ordered a steak burrito. She was served a pork burrito. Um, and, and, uh, she didn't really notice it and she went ahead and ate it anyway. Right. In addition to that leap of faith, you would also have to believe that the pork that was actually in that burrito came from a mutant pig that was fed a different diet from the diet that every other pig would get. And then it was mistakenly put into a regular pork food chain without anybody noticing. Uh, and then it was butchered differently from any other pig would have been butchered, uh, the standard practice there. And then after she consumed it, that mutant pig that had a different diet that was snuck into the food chain that was butchered differently from the way that pigs are normally butchered would have had a profoundly inordinate re reaction inside of her body. It's just not so, even possible. So all of those things together, you really have to take all of those things together. It's said in the CAS decision that, that it would be a cascade of improbabilities. Um, and I really liked that phrase. And I think it's totally accurate. Which it's one thing to do one leap zero. of faith. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to do a leap of faith. It's one thing to say, okay, maybe she ordered steak, she got pork, she ate the pork. That's one leap of faith. But, but to go all the way through every single one of those, it's, it's too many leaps of faith. And at some point you have to say, you know what, this is just didn't happen. This is not what occurred. Um, and that's, that's, I think what the, the conclusion you tell me, Michelle, that's the conclusion. I think that, that most people, even some of her, her pretty staunch defenders 
have come to over the course of the past 24 hours? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the problem that I feel now is that the people who came to her biggest defense have stellar reputations. And I'm talking namely, you know, her coach, Jerry Schumacher, and obviously Shalane Flanagan, both in her role as a coach, as an advocate for anti-doping and clean sport, and obviously her history, you know, competing in the sport. And, and what I'm kind of wondering now is where, like, where are these people? Like, why are they not distancing themselves from her? Like there is no, the court of arbitration of sports gave almost no path that she could actually prove her innocence. And if anything, like disproved her defense multiple different ways. Like there's no chance that this, that the finding, you know, that the adverse finding in her urine came from basically where she said it came from. And they had no problem with anything else in her testimony. You know, there were issues maybe with the lie detector test, with the hair sample, the character witnesses, like all of that stuff on its own could have actually really helped her and supported her and potentially won her the appeal. But her entire defense rate rests on the fact that she ate this one specific type of meat. And literally, even if she had been served pork at that food truck, it wasn't going to be the meat that contained the substance that was found in her urine. It's a banned substance. And we should also just make sure people know this was a world anti-doping agency test. So this is not even this is like a global, you know, a global issue. Like she's at the highest highest courts, her only option left is to go um, to appeal to the Swiss federal court. I cannot even imagine that Nike would continue to support her and let her go through that appeal. I mean, I just, I don't even see what the reason would be for that. But yeah, I mean, everybody that hashtag free Shelby and everybody's silent now, like those people are all silent. So it's interesting to see what they're going to do about this. It's already been over 24 hours. I would have expected some type of press release or some statement at least. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I feel bad for, I think that her friends on. You feel you bad know, for and, her? No, I feel bad for her friends oh. and the coaches. And just, I do think that most of the people that supported her trusted that she was innocent. Mm-hmm. So I just think at this point, we have all of this information that shows she, I mean, very unlikely that she's at all innocent. So I'm curious, like, what are those people thinking now? And why aren't we hearing from them? Eric, why don't they want to save their reputations? Eric, what do you think? Who keeps their receipt when they eat at a food truck? (laughs) (laughs) A pro athlete. And then bases their whole defense on the receipt that isn't even for the product they said they ate. I just, so, okay, so take that little piece. I, I said that to be funny to kind of break the tension, but I, right from the start, one of the things I said was, if you're an Olympic athlete, athlete preparing for- An American record holder. She set the American record in the 5,000 meters last year. Okay, American record holder, Olympic athlete, preparing for the Olympics, right? What are you doing eating from a food truck? <laughs> Uh, so, so I mean, like, let's just so let me get those two out of the way, the, the receipt and that. But let, when you look at the way this was done, I, I think even the whole process is damning. But I'm not even sure who to who to say it's damning to. You know, um, Michelle, you made a point. You know, she did this. Well, I, I, let me let me just think about this. One of the one of the best defenses is get to the blackboard first, right? Um, and that basically means you know get your story out get it out quickly, get ahead of everything. And 
in doing that, the Bowerman Track Club just rallied around her. And then all these people jumped on board with that. It, and it was all, it was really emotional because if you think back to what I said right from the start, she didn't even order what she said she ate. But everybody rallied around her and said, this can't be true. Not her. Listen to her, you know, watch, watch her video. And, and you just, so I think from a, from a process standpoint, they played this as we know we're, we know we're bad. We know it's dirty, but we're going to get out first. And it wasn't like the, it wasn't like new news to everybody. It was just, they were the first to say it. And then, but then let's, let's fast forward to now. Okay. Obviously, based on all the preponderance of evidence, there's no shadow of a doubt that the substance got into her body. The question now is who did it and who knew? Yeah, I guess when I said she did this, I mean, there is always the caveat that perhaps she unknowingly ingested Nandrolone. Exactly. So, so let's, let's tease that out a little bit. Let's say she did this all on her own. Bowerman so track that, 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 that when you say she did it, you mean that she she knowingly took a banned knowingly substance in order knowingly took a banned substance okay. and kept it from her her coaches. And 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 there and the only reason why I'm asking you to clarify is because there is a possibility, and and nobody she has not, and nobody on her team has mentioned this, but there is a possibility she could say that I mistakenly ingested or I took a supplement that was laced with it that that I didn't realize was right. laced with it, and 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 she'd still right. be in trouble for that. But she'd that be would way be better different. off with that story. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that would be different to me than than this pork burrito fiasco, um, right? But anyway, but keep thing, going here. The thing there is if, 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 if she did this all on her own or it was done to her and the coaches didn't know anything about it, what caused the coaches to rally around her? Was it this story about the steak burrito that was actually pork from the food truck? I mean, they know how this works. They know how this defense works. It's played out before. The science is clear. I can't see Nike and the Bowerman Track Club actually like jumping in on this based on a food truck receipt that said steak burrito on it. I just don't see it. And I think the court of arbitrations, uh, it's, it's, um, it's the result of the process is really a black eye on the Bowerman track club and Nike. I, I, cause I can't see how they took this this far. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the dollars, the time, just dragging all, even just dragging all of us through this process. Like it it seems like it's, I don't see why they did it. And you're saying you don't see why they did it unless they were implicit in her ingesting the nandrolone. Yeah. I think they knew from the start that this was, that they were going to, they had a very slim chance of winning because it was all based on this receipt that wasn't even for a pork burrito. So that's shocking. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, and, and I and I think that it's it's worth reiterating in that context how ardently or ar- adamantly, ardently, vehemently, uh, Shalane Flanagan and Jerry Schumacher defended her on that very first day. Not only uh, that, but we know now from a lot of her teammates. Yeah. yeah, but I would say like also we know from several of her teammates who you know, placed top three at trials and went on to compete in Tokyo. I mean, Jerry was very much absent from 
a lot of the training for a lot of the other Bowerman Track Club athletes for the entire almost outdoor season. And the assumption is half the team, sorry, it is, it has been stated clearly half the team knew that they were, you know, kind of uh, channeling their energy towards Shelby's defense and trying to, you know, get her appeal to be successful. And the other half of the team actually had no idea what had happened until hours before the press conference when we all found out. Mm -hmm. So like, not only are they supporting her and doing what they're doing vehemently, I love that word, George. Um, but <laughs> like, they also took away um, emotional support, physical support presence in all their other athletes lives. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm with you, Eric. I don't, unless Nike is our men knowing, <laughs> you know, contributors to this, it's, it's yeah. pretty shocking on the, so many the, levels. The, the, the only reason, and, and I think that the history has shown that the only reason that a coach or a manager or a swanier or whoever it happens to be would so vehemently defend an athlete that is clearly guilty is because the coach or the swanier or the manager stands to lose a great deal as well because they're they're complicit in it um and so 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 that's i mean unless unless shalane flanagan and jerry schumacher sometime very soon like between now and tomorrow when i put out this podcast like six hours uh, ago yeah where are they i mean i mean in, unless they very soon come out and, and just make a complete about face we were totally wrong she completely had us fooled too i'm embarrassed about the 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 ardent vehement defense i made of her uh before the olympic trials um uh i hope you all can forgive me and that we all can move on from this um, unless they do that sort of thing, I mean, they're, they're going to, to go down with the ship here. Um, and that's, sad. yeah, I do think that's it's interesting to note that Bowerman didn't recruit any athletes coming out of uh, college. Like they don't have any new signees for this coming year for the first time in a lot of time. And whether that's because all of their time and energy and efforts were uh, devoted to the Hooligan case or whether that's because they knew they were going to lose and their reputation was going to go down the toilet for a period of time. You know, um, it'll be interesting to look back and, and see how it all plays out six months, a year from now. What's happening with the Bowerman Track Club when it comes to the track trials for Paris? I mean, that's less than three years away. But uh, yeah, I think their dominance and their, I mean, I would say stellar reputation of clean athletes is gone. Yeah. Uh, my personal crush on Jerry is long gone. So <laughs> Let, that's very talk, sad. Let's talk about the real fallout here, Michelle. It's <laughs> it's the fact that your longtime personal crush on Jerry Schumacher has has completely shattered to pieces. I mean, um, it's not and, like and, and personally, I'm sorry to see that. Um, although I would say I that you can probably him. fill up that emotional hole with with your love for the DVA nitros. <laughs> yeah. Know, there is one, there is one of the really black eye for this. And it's, it's just unfortunate because I, I don't think, I don't think I can wear a, a Nike shoe ever again. You weren't oh, going to wear a Nike I shoe anyway. I already decided I would never wear a Nike shoe again. So I just have another reason to not wear Nikes. Well, happily, we're at a place now where most other shoe have companies to. have caught up with Nike in terms of shoe tech. So you don't have to anymore. Like in 2018, that was a tougher choice than it is in 2021. In 2021, you can wear Sauconies, you can wear Skechers, you can wear Pumas, you can right. wear all sorts of other really outstanding shoes. In 2018, it was Vaporfly or you're finishing two minutes back. 
Um, and so, so and you can have all five of the best carbon plated shoes that are Nikes now too. Uh, you can just rotate them all. I, well, you can't have the deviate nitro elites alas, because those Until are they come not back quite online. available. So, but I will be the very first in line to buy those when in fact they are available. I am looking forward to that too much. <laughs> you know, it's the only time I just thought of this. It, it, we've, we haven't podcasted it in a while, but the only time I have run in a pair of Nike running shoes, they fell apart while I was running in them. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty funny. So Michelle, when was the last time you, you ran in a pair of Nike running shoes? Um, the last time was CIM in 2018 when I actually qualified for Boston in 2020. So it's yep. been what you were getting ready to run in about five weeks, or almost so. three years. Yeah, yeah. I wore the Vaporfly 4%. I mean, I think they were on the, maybe the second version of them. Um, never, I don't even, I'm not even sure I wore them before the race and I just remember you did, you, you wore them for the 10 miler. I want to say, Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Cause, cause I remember you said, you said they, 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 it you, seems like you I would have quit. You quit least. thinking about your feet. You said super early in the race. Yeah. I mean, my memory from that is just on the recovery. Like I think a lot of the information that's come out afterwards attests to the fact that, you know, your legs just maybe don't feel so shattered. So, but I'm not wearing Nikes in Boston. Um, so yeah. what are you wearing in Boston? Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> let's circle back around to, to, we already talked about how we're doing the Blue Ridge Relay and then following the Blue Ridge Relay is going to be Michelle's Boston on October 11th. And yeah, so I think what, I'm, what, are you, uh, what are you wearing? I think I'm going to wear the Endorphin Pro. Um, I oh. ordered a pair last week and then I ordered the black, but I thought maybe I wanted the pink and then the pink went on <laughs> sale for Labor Day for $40 less. So I've got the black in the mudroom. I've got the pink hopefully coming tomorrow. All right. I mean, all, all I'm doing is, you know, trying on and returning to running warehouse these days. But yeah, I think I'm just going to go with the Endorphin Pro. The only like the only deviation from that would be if the Nitro Deviate Elite came to Puma online and I bought it quickly and uh, got like a fast finish long run or something in them and really liked them. But otherwise, I think I'm going to go with Saucony. So awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And, and that's actually a good segue. Do you have a pair um, of endorphin pros, George? So I have a pair on the way to my house right now. <laughs> that is the, I think that is the one shoe that all three of us will have in common here very shortly. So we all have endorphin speeds right now. So don't he doesn't we? have the speed. He has the pro though. Eric, you oh, okay. have the speed? I have the speed. Yeah. Oh, okay. We all have okay. speeds. And that, and that actually, I will say, um, and so sometime over the summer, I developed the slightest touch of plantar fasciitis in one of my feet. Um, and when I wore the endorphin speeds, it seemed to aggravate it. That was the, that's the one big silver lining from having missed 11 days straight of running is that, that, uh, the little bitty bitty touch I had of plantar fasciitis is now gone. Um, and it's gone, knock on wood, and it's gone well enough to where I don't have to wear any sort of arch supports or anything when I wear my endorphin speeds now. Uh, and presumably I won't have to wear them when I get my sunset colorway endorphin pros in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> You're welcome. Sorry, Casey. So, so yes, indeed. No, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about them. I have them and yet another pair of Skechers uh, on, on, on their way to my house tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. But speaking of the good segue, though, um, Boston, you got an email today from Boston, right, about their COVID protocols. Yeah, I think with the, you know, Delta variant soaring, everybody is kind of just holding their breath for is my fall race, my fall marathon, my fall half marathon, ultra, whatever going to happen, isn't it? Um, Chicago came out with 
you know, some, uh, a mandate a few, maybe last week or a week and a half ago that said you have to either show proof of vaccination or have a negative COVID test within 72 hours of starting the race. And that was pretty good. I think it made people sitting on their Chicago entry feel pretty confident the race was going to take place. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Boston is uh, the day after Chicago, Chicago's on Sunday, Boston's on Monday, you know, we were all kind of just waiting with bated breath. And the BAA basically released the same protocol today, but with a slight twist. Um, if you are not vaccinated, uh, you do have to show a negative PCR test and you have to show it actually as a result that came from a test that they're administering. So if you are not vaccinated or you don't have proof of your vaccination, you will be going to the testing center that they set up and then you will be waiting for your results before you can actually go to the expo and pick up your bib. Um, Once you either show vaccination or get proof of a negative test, you're issued a bracelet and you basically cannot get into the expo um, or the transportation to the start line or be able to cross the finish line and get a medal without showing that bracelet. So uh, that's pretty good. Um, Steamtown canceled <laughs> a yeah. few hours before uh, Boston released this. So I think I'm, there was I'm, a lot I'm, of- I'm, I'm coaching an athlete who was signed up for Steamtown. Um, no, and she, and, really? And she, and she texted me last night. She's a friend of the podcast, Erin Weddy, who's been on the podcast before. Does she um, have a other so, option? So she, has, uh, she has, has pivoted to the Mohawk Hudson River. Oh, that's um, supposed to be great. That's in New York, that, yeah, right? That's, that's what I told her too. Yeah, I, I said that in in the Northeast, lots of people have run that race, and they all talk about talk very highly. So, so it's Aaron, like if you're listening, weekend. I have a great contact for you if you want to talk to somebody about that race. Um, cool. So I actually think she's my friend that broke three hours there for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that'll be a great race instead of Steamtown. But yeah, I think there's you know Boston uh, invited additional runners about a week or maybe is it a week and a half ago? And that made us feel a little bit more comfortable that the show was going to go on. Um, but then, you know, releasing and, these. And, and among the runners that made a late oh, sign up is, is yet so another friend of the podcast, uh, Lauren Fogarty. Lauren Fogarty, yeah. who's been on the podcast a couple of times, has been on the podcast talking about the Boston Marathon, which she ran it uh, a few years ago, as a matter of fact. And so she had missed the Boston cutoff by well under a minute. Um, and so she received an invitation to be a late sign upper for the Boston marathon. And she, she sent Michelle and me an email or a text and said, should I do this? I don't know if I should do it. And we have this long conversation about whether she should and how it would change her training. And, and ultimately she just said, I don't even know why I asked y'all, of course I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And she promptly signed up. And so she will be on the starting line with you uh, in, in Hopkinton on October 11th. Yeah. It's really good for me. I would say, you know, we, we both had the same workout Tuesday morning and the weather was (laughs) horrible with the hurricane and we both got in our cars and it wasn't raining. And then it started raining and we were on separate sides of the city going to separate tracks. It's literally like 4 15 AM. And it's like, no, we're just going to do this. It doesn't matter at this point, we're halfway to our tracks, but like to have somebody else awake at that hour training for the same thing, even though obviously the circumstances and our goals are very different because she doesn't actually get a full marathon buildup, but it's still super cool to, uh, to have her going. So yeah, I think, uh, I feel very confident since Boston released this information today that it's going to happen. Um, and pretty happy about that. (laughs) So I am too. I am too. uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. Um, so we haven't, since we haven't been together so much and we haven't podcasted over the course of the past couple of weeks, we haven't talked a whole lot about our book of the quarter. 
Um, and our book of the quarter, as we've said a couple of times, is uh, Rise of the Ultra Runners by Addie Fenn. Um, Michelle, Eric, Eric, we'll ask Eric for Eric, have you finished it? I haven't finished it. I'm a little over halfway. Uh, uh, he's talked about uh, pretty awesome. I haven't started it, so no spoilers. Well, no, no, no. It's not a spoiler. It's he, he's talked about comrades in okay. South Africa. Yeah, that was great. My, my my single my single race that I would do. George, do you right. know about the bus at comrades? So no. The bus says. Eric, did you know about that? Like, had you I heard did not that know term? about that? And as they were talking about it, I went down a totally different route of like what they were talking about. But I I really <laughs> really um that was cool. Yeah, it's a great story. All right. All right. I appreciate the teaser. I didn't need a teaser for the comrades marathon, but that's, that's a good one to get. So um. anyway, I just, I just got through that and um, I'll say I, I kind of like the way he writes and sometimes I get a little annoyed with the way he writes, but right. overall, I think it's a, it's a good story. It's cool. he's got me. You know, he's, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm actually listening to this book on audio and I'm listening it for anything like 90 minutes, two hours, two and a half minute, like an easy long run, because it's engaging. I find it interesting enough that I just kind of latch on to the storyline. Um, and he changes because he talks about various races. So it's a pretty cool insight into a guy who forays into the world of ultra running. <laughs> yeah. So very cool. Very cool. I, I, I'm excited about getting more into it over the course of literally just the next few days. Um, and so I'll, I'll be probably doing a mix of listening to it and reading it as I've done for, for a lot of the books that we do for our books of the quarter here. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it, particularly now that y'all mentioned that he talks a lot about comrades because I didn't even think about the fact that he would do that. But that's great. Um, and so the reason why I mentioned is not only to encourage all of, our, all of you who are listening to, uh, to, to get with us on the book of the quarter, but the last thing we're going to talk about is some big news out of the ultra world here. So both something that just happened and something that might be about to happen. Tell us what just happened, Michelle. Well, a few things just happened. I guess most recently, uh, we have a new 24-hour world record. Um, mm -hmm. Alexander Sorokin ran 309.4 kilometers. Um, the previous record was set in 1997, and it was 303.5 kilometers. He basically ran 729 per mile for 24 hours. Uh, he ran six kilometers more on what was thought to basically be previously completely unbreakable record. Yeah. Um, so he's pretty hot this year. I mean, he's set world records in the 150K, 12 hour and 100 mile already. So I'm not sure what's left for him, but I would not want to be racing him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Giannis Koros is considered to be yeah. one of, if not the greatest of all time when it comes to ultra running men. So, yeah. And so the fact that Alexander Sorokin went out and, and beat by six kilometers that record, it was pretty incredible. Um, our friend Brett uh, on the Blue Ridge Relay team with, with Eric and me was keeping us abreast of what was going on as it was happening. Um, and among other things, um, he mentioned that that he had fairly even splits. Um, he, he pretty much just kind of uh, ran and kept on running and kept on running, kept on running. It was something like, I want to say 95 miles for the first 12 hours and 93 miles for the second 12 hours or something like that. Um, and so, so a, a, a really amazing new record now of Alexander Sorokin. Yeah. Very cool. And then what's coming up. Um, so as we speak, uh, Camille Heron is going for the, uh, 
six day world record. She is attempting to run 600 miles in six days. Uh, she's currently the 50K, 100K and 24 hour female world champion. So she's over in Hungary right now. And a she's former comrades winner. Yeah, that's true. Uh, she's trying to set a record that has basically stood since 1990. Um, the current record is about a little under 550 miles. So she's going pretty big. I mean, she's going for 50 miles more uh, with 600 miles in six days. I mean, I think obviously with Camille, the most interesting thing is always whether she <laughs> stays in the race. Uh, it's never, you know, either she finishes and she typically does amazing or uh, she typically drops out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But do, do, we, do we know what shoes she's wearing? Because she switched sponsors recently, right? I mean, she's sponsored by Hoka. So I would assume right. she's going to go through a few pair of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. She's going to go through. <laughs> over the course of six days, she's probably going to go through 12 pair of shoes. Yeah, I would think she wouldn't go more than 75-ish miles in the carbon-plated shoes if she doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, but but when she but when she she's won hundreds and when she set hundred records and that sort of thing, she wore Vaporflies for those. And so yeah, so she, she, she does like running in 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 carbon-plated shoes. So. Yeah, but. and the, and there and there's been conjecture, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, that whereas the average boost that people got from Vaporfly four percent was four percent, thus the name. Like she, something about her gait gives her like a six, seven, eight percent boost yeah you know what's really cool about that and it actually ties back to the book um after addy runs comrades he meets her for the first time mm. and that generates into an interview and one of the coolest things i think about the book is at least the middle section that i'm in it's all about him interviewing people of the ultra world mm -hmm. and uh some of these characters i'd never heard of and they're just these <laughs> and then you go you go google them and you're like oh my gosh that person is so so cool you know and then he, he gets to camille heron and it, it's almost like a totally chance meeting and then it turns into this you know i don't even know, know how many pages he he goes and starts to chronicle her hmm. um but i thought it was really cool how that transitioned into oh she's now she's gonna go break this well she's gonna make an attempt to break this 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 next record right. so he does Very cool. he does interview her in the book and I, I, it's yeah, I'm I'm enjoying that section immensely. So very cool, very cool. And and speaking of legendary ultra runners, UTMB was last week, right? Yeah, we can't talk about ultra running and not talk about UTMB for a hot yeah. minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean the race went out. You know, it's in uh, France and Switzerland and Italy. Um, but uh, I guess it was literally. I mean, in all the time I've been following the race, I don't think I've ever seen near perfect weather conditions like it was. There was no rain. There was no hail. There were very little winds up high. Um, and we saw like Francois win again. I think this is his fourth win at UTMB. Um, also like his countrymen, the French were just amazing. I think, I don't know. I really thought this year we might see an American uh, do something impressive, but you think it was going to be Jim Walmsley. I mean, I think he went out a little too fast. I think, man, this was frustrating. I kept waking up in the middle of the night, just kind of looking at stuff, but, uh, I mean, by the, by the morning, it seemed like the American guys just were like all in carnage. Mm. Um, so was it going to be Jim? I mean, my hopes were really on 10 Tollison. I thought, you know, I mean, I love, I mean, he typically does pretty well there. I think he's placed pretty high up the last few years, but uh, anyway, so that was pretty cool to watch. And then literally not that far behind him, um, seventh overall, Courtney Dewalter, who yeah. obviously we've spoken about her many times. 
Uh, she did not finish Hard Rock. She exited around or right after 60 miles with uh, stomach problems. She was not injured. And she won in 2019. And, uh, you know, her takeaway from 2019 was that she won the race, but she didn't, she really suffered. And this time she just, she didn't lead wire to wire. She almost led wire to wire. She's smiling the whole time. She never really struggled. Um, and she basically broke a course record that had stood since 2013, but she ran two hours faster than she did in 2019. And I mean, seventh overall, I just, there's so much to be, to be said about that in and of itself. So yeah. it was cool. It was a great, uh, it's a great run. So I feel like, I feel like if you're looking for somebody to replace Jerry Schumacher in your crush world, <laughs> You could do worse than Francois Dehane or for that matter, Courtney DeWalter. Courtney DeWalter. <laughs> yeah. so, so well, what I really saying, what, I, no, what I think we need to see submit now. Submit their is, applications. Yeah. What I think we need to see is Courtney DeWalter against Sabrina Stanley at UTMB, with neither of them having run either Western States or Hard Rock. Because right. uh, I think that's like the ultimate female matchup right now. But you know, we never know what's gonna happen next year. So I love what you said about her because you, you echoed something that we had in our text uh, chain when the results came out or when, when you, when you told us what the results were, <laughs> <laughs> but what? Courtney at the end of the race, she looks as fresh as I do in the first five miles of a hundred mile race. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> and she would, she didn't even look dirty or sweaty. You're just like, how? Just jogging into Chamonix, like no big deal. <laughs> It actually kind of makes me wonder now that I think about it. I don't think I've ever seen like a picture of Courtney DeWalter, except for when she's in like the last 10 miles of a hundred miler. She always looks really good in the last 10 miles of a hundred miler. It kind of makes me what she looks like, make me wonder what she looks like normally. <laughs> no, you know? I mean, when she tried to set that FKC like last year and she came off with that severe bronchitis and ended up in the hospital. I mean, she okay, posted yeah. pictures from the hospital yeah, she looked pretty it's rough. pretty there. bad. <laughs> which, is, which is fair because you yes. know, she was in the hospital with bronchitis after attempting a, a major race. But yeah. But, but you look at pictures of like the second and third place finisher, they, they look like they just ran the UTMB. <laughs> you know, they, they've got a picture of. Um, yeah, they're dirty. <laughs> they're dirty. They, they both, I think they both fell, you know, so their hands or their knees are bandaged up or there's just blood going down their leg. You know, she looks like she just like was that a for a jog on the beach <laughs> I, just, I was like what i, I man, it's, it's interesting because she i think she fueled mostly with liquids uh more than the second half of the race and i think she only had like white potato and liquids That's, in the beginning yeah. which is amazing like what's in her liquids give me some <laughs> give me some of that <laughs> i think it's tailwind but i don't know for sure it was that's what it said no it said that she yeah fueled with tailwind and white potatoes I mean, white potatoes are amazing. Let's no. <laughs> eat your potatoes. Yep. I have, I've been on a white rice kick ever since Grace talked about it after, uh, during her race report for following the hundreds. Like, I don't think there's anything tastier than white rice at this point. I'm basically at the point where I'm literally eating pasta. Like it doesn't almost every single night because it doesn't matter what's on my schedule the next day. I need the carbs. There you go. So I'm, I'm like, I've never had so much pasta in my life, but I think it's actually... I, I don't know. I think I'd be in trouble without it, but I guess white rice would be similar. Absolutely. 
That's a good note to end on. <laughs> eat so your white we, rice. We, we probably need to let Michelle go because either she needs to go eat some pasta or or go to bed. Uh, <laughs> we're doing well. Eric, <laughs> thanks for being with us. Hey, I got a final thought. Give us your final thought. My final thought is we really kind of dogged the whole Bowerman Track Club and this result. But uh, much like I was saying about, you know, George and his 900 miles on his legs, the Bowerman Track Club has a lot of miles, a lot of runners and a lot of records. And I really hope this is either a, a wake up call or, a, and a, you know, a turnaround for them and they can recover. I, I think they're, they can continue. I don't want them to be dominant. I want them to be part of the space, though, just because of their history. Um, so I wanted to I just wanted to take a step back and say, I really hope that this can be a turnaround and a recovery. Cool. I think we feel that it can. I just think they need to really come out and distance themselves as soon as possible. Something needs to happen. Yes, we would something. like to see that happen. Yeah. They, <laughs> we do they not can't. wish them to, you know, we do not wish their total demise over this issue. So. But they yes. can't just let it ride. That's they, right. actually, they, they actually have to take some sort of, of action. We need a statement. We need something that says something. Because yeah. <laughs> being quiet at this point isn't yeah. doing it for me. I, 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 will, I will keep my fingers crossed that such will be coming because I want to keep on cheering for Grant Fisher. He fired me up during the Olympics. Yeah. Um, uh, last word, Michelle. Um, even if the Bowerman Track Club saves themselves, I think that poster of Jerry on my wall is coming down. So <laughs> just kidding. I don't really have a poster of Jerry. You think, you think that picture of, of, of Jerry that you have in the locket around your neck is probably going to need to come out? <laughs> no, but I would say my desire to have coffee with Jerry Schumacher or interview him or just, uh, you know, that's basically gone. So it's a little so sad, but you know, you, you've been, you've been feeling, uh, you've been feeling Jake Riley's coach over the course of the past several months. <laughs> right. So, so what's his name? Oh gosh. Lee Troop. Lee Troop. Yeah. So, so maybe it can be Lee Troop can be your new guy. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. <laughs> uh, thanks for being here, Michelle. Have a good night guys. Thanks Eric. You're welcome, George. Anytime. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com. Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx. The number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.